0: something crazy in the past couple weeks. Listen listen to these words and it was it just was confirmed to me after Ed spoke last week about how we're going to face troubles. It just confirmed in me that this is what God wanted to share this week. For anyone battered, for any heart shattered, for anyone sinking down, just hold on. Hold on. For all the sinners, for the weary and the weathered, thrown and tossed, hope is lost, hold on. There's an anchor. In this storm, when your walls feel like they're closing in on you and in the darkness all alone, you're just praying for the daylight, Praying for peace in your soul. There's grace in the morning when you feel like letting go. There's an anchor. There's an anchor. To all who have faltered, there is an altar. Bring your plea on bended knee, bow down. All you sons and daughters, Run to the Father. You're not too far from His open arms. There's an anchor. With just one touch, you calm me. With just a whisper, you love me. Without judgment, you hold me. No one ever has known me. You made me. There's an anchor holding time in His hands. A rock you can stand on, a mercy without end. There's love that's eternal, borne up all our sins. A King that is coming, the great I Am. He is the anchor. Those lyrics just, Slam me to the ground. Because I noticed, I realized something, that no matter what we are facing, no matter what we're into, God has got you. No matter where you're at in life, God's got you. No matter what you're facing, no matter the struggles that you're in, God has got you. Ed asked me to, to consider leading in communion, and so I went into the New Testament and read where Jesus started all that. Well, he sat down at the Passover meal with his disciples to begin that. So well, let's go back and let's look at the Passover in Egypt. And I got to looking at the Passover and I went, I'm not back far enough yet. So guess where I went? Genesis, you have to go clear back to the beginning. Because God's got you the whole way from the beginning. And God took time and he fashioned this earth and he, and he spoke into being everything that is around us. He got this world spinning on its axis and he made man and he fashioned him out of the dirt. And he placed, God, placed man in a beautiful place in this fantastic garden, and he said, go ahead and take care of this place. He said, the only thing is, don't eat this one tree. We men are pretty dumb. And listening to a snake is really dumb. And Adam and Eve sinned. And brought in a separation into his life that he had never known before. Can you just imagine for one minute being so in tune with God, so relational with Him, that there was nothing that you would want to hide from Him? I mean, you've done this with your friends already. When someone who's fairly close to you, you did something to disappoint them. And you really just didn't want to go near them right away, right? You're afraid how they're going to react. What are they going to do? What are they going to say? Well, all of a sudden, Adam and Eve realized there is something, there is something in my life that I can't face God anymore. And in Genesis chapter 3, it says, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. In the cool of the day, And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They knew something was wrong. All of a sudden, I'm different. I look at life different. Things are just so messed up right now. And they hid from the very one who loved them and created them. The one who placed them in this beautiful garden. Sin had separated man from God, but God came looking for man. I don't know where you're at in your life this morning, but I do know this much. I know God is looking for you. Craig sent me a text this morning. said He said that uh, he was praying for me this morning, and I appreciated that text so much but I'd gotten a new phone a couple of weeks ago and some of my contacts got messed up. And, and I didn't recognize the number. You know, I'm used to seeing a name come up when a message comes in. So I messaged back and I'm like, I'm sorry, but I, I don't know who this number is. And I said, you know, I've lost some of my contacts. He said back, this is Craig. So once I was lost, now I'm found. <laughs> How true. Hey, who's messaging me? Who's calling my name this morning? You know God is calling your name this morning? He's he's got a message for you. You see, the the problem is, though, that when we are in sin, we know, or we think we know, in our own mindset, in our brokenness and our sin, we think God is coming to us in judgment. But, But how did God come to Adam and Eve? As he walked into the garden in verse 9 in Genesis 3, it says this, Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So Adam said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And the Lord God said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? God is calling you today, but he does not call you with accusation. You see, if I was a parent and I knew that my kid did something wrong, when I walked into the room, what do I do? Boy, what have you done? I know you were into this. I know you're into that. I told you not to do it. Right? Parents, how many of you parents have said that? Okay, thank you. I'm glad I'm not the only one. All right. right. Isn't that the way we do it? But I don't, in, in that, Ed loves exclamation, or exclamation points in the Bible. Woo. Woo, right. I don't see any in here. He's not yelling. It's not in all caps. The Lord God came into the garden and said, Adam, where are you? Where are you guys at? Have you guys done something? What do you mean you're naked? How do you know this? It just really intrigued me that God came to them, not accusing them, not yelling at them, not growling at them. I'm thankful for my dad who was very hard on me. I needed it, all right? I'm sure if I was born in today's society where parents aren't maybe quite as hard, I'd be on medicine, all right? I know how I was when I grew up. I remember the frustration in my dad's disciplining voice, and I needed all of that. I'm not saying it's wrong at times, but I'm saying God comes to you, not yelling at you, not accusing you. God's calling, wanting to know where you're at. What's going on? He's not accusing you. Oh, sure, there's going to be consequences for the sin. And in the next couple verses, he lists to to Adam and to Eve and to the serpent. These are the consequences of what you guys have all just done. But look what he does in verse 21. It says, and also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin, and he clothed them. You see, not only does God come to the garden looking for you without any accusation, without calling you out on the carpet, but knowing that there's a problem, He makes a solution for the problem. God comes to you in love. And He had to take the life of an animal that He had just made not long ago. To make a covering for Adam and for Eve. There's sin that is separating them. And immediately right now, the nakedness is what is separating them from God. And God says, I have a covering for you so that that relationship is no longer hindered. Here is your covering. Come into my presence. You see, God provides a covering to restore the fellowship. God wants to be in fellowship with you. He wants to know you intimately. He wants you to be in His very presence. So He's provided the covering. Verse 22 then continues... And this is where it's going to get a little bit harder for us, maybe. But it's good. Then the Lord said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, to know good and evil. And now lest he put out his hand, and take also of the tree of life, and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. You see, in that garden not only was there this tree that brought this separation, but there was a tree that brought eternal life. And God, knowing that that tree was there, did not want to see Adam and Eve stuck in this separation from him for all of eternity. Because he knows the future. He knows what's coming down the road hundreds of years from now. He knows that his son is going to come and is going to make the ultimate sacrifice so that there will be an unhindered fellowship between him, between man and God. And so, to protect him, to keep him from living forever in his sin, he sets him out of the beautiful place into the rest of the world to till the ground that he was made. What a gift of love that God took Adam and Eve out of the garden because He didn't want them stuck in their sin. He doesn't want you stuck in your sin. God does not want you stuck in your sin. Grab a hold of that this morning. He doesn't want you stuck. From this time in history, man begins to multiply, and and they continue to bring sacrificial offerings to God. But we get into Genesis chapter 4, and Cain, now Adam and Eve's son, comes... And he brings a sacrifice that is not a blood sacrifice. You see, Cain thought, I'm going to do this relationship thing with God my way. And I've heard many people say to me, I got this thing between me and God. Really? Do you? I think that's exactly what Cain said. I got my relationship with God. It's it's, it's on my terms. And that's what Cain said, because you see, Cain tilled the ground, his brother Abel tended the sheep, which is a really good farming practice, by the way, split up the duties. But Cain said, I don't need to go buy a sheep off my brother, I'll just give some of my fruit of the ground. That should be good enough. Is your sacrifice to God just good enough? Because what happens is when he brings the offering, God doesn't receive it. Because the sacrifice needed to be a blood sacrifice. But look, look at God's response. You see, this is God's response, Genesis 4, 6, and 7. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? God says, I set the terms here. I'm God. Come to me on the terms. And we're good. We're golden. I'm not rejecting you. You just got to come on my terms. I'm God. He says, if you don't do well, sin's going to lie at the door. And its desire is for you. But you should rule over it. That whole selfish thing in our lives where we want it and we want it our way and we want it now. That's lying at your doorstep. But God desires good for you. It's more than what we want and what we want it now. God desires the very best for you. He wants good. And and most of us here probably know the story. Cain made a bad decision and kills his brother and faces judgment because of it. I mean, we're one generation out of being in perfect fellowship with God in the garden, and we commit murder. And God's saying, don't do it. Just do what I've asked you to do, because I got good for you. I got the very best for you, if you'll just do what's asked of you. Maybe you're doing what's asked of you and maybe you're ending up in some places where you're like, what in the world is going on in my life? Maybe you feel like God has totally lost sight of you. But I can tell you He doesn't. If we skip ahead to the next book of the Bible in Exodus chapter 3, verse 7, it says, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. And have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Where are you at in your life today? Is there that relationship with God? Are you struggling in life because there's not? Are you walking with God, but the the turmoil around you and you are just being beat down? I want you to know this this morning that God sees you in your bondage and God wants to set you free. God sees you in your bondage. He sees you in your Egypt. He sees you with the taskmaster whooping you, beating you up. He sees you a slave to whatever is slaving you in your sin. If it's yourself, if it's an addiction, if it's whatever. God sees you in that place and He wants to set you free. God told Moses, I see my people Israel. I see them in Egypt. Not only does He see them, but He's heard their cry and He knows their sorrows. (coughs) God sees you in your bondage. And he wants to set you free. Remember, he came looking for you in the beginning. He's not accusing you, well, you got yourself stuck in this place, get yourself out. He wants to provide a covering and restore fellowship with you. He doesn't want you stuck in your sin. He wants what's good for you. He wants to set you free. God wants to set us free. There's a problem when God wants to set us free, the problem is there's an enemy out there. <laughs> In the next couple chapters, Exodus 7 through 11, we find all the plagues that end up going through Egypt because of what? Because Pharaoh wouldn't let the people go, right? What are you going to have to face in your life because the enemy does not want to let you go? I'm, I'm telling you right up, straight up now, there is an enemy to your soul and that enemy does not want to see you walking in the freedom of Christ. He doesn't want to, you to know the power of God's love and forgiveness. He doesn't want you to feel his acceptance and receive his covering. The enemy is going to do all kinds of things to try to stop it. There is an enemy. And he's not going to want to let you go. But look what happens at Exodus chapter 12. It says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. What if? Just what if? Right now, where you're at, God wants to tell you, let's start now. Let's start here. God wants to give you a new beginning. He wants to start right here. He's not worried about what happened in your past right now. He says, let me start now, right here. I don't care how you've ended up in Egypt. I don't care what all's going on. I know it it makes me sad. I feel your sorrow. But let's just forget that because I want to give you a new beginning. I want to set you free. I want to give you a new start right now, right here, right today. Do you want it? Do you want to receive the new today? God wants to give us a new beginning. Are you willing to walk in the new beginning? It's hard. And and Israel's going to find out as they leave Egypt. Because what's going to happen when they start to get disappointed a couple days out into the desert? Yeah, we should have stayed back in Egypt. They had leeks and garlic. Yeah, but you were a slave. You were in bondage. You're in addiction. You're stuck in yourself. Do you want to go back to that? You felt unloved. You felt worthless. Do you want to go back to that? God says, I want to give you a new beginning because you're special and I love you and I want to provide a covering for you and I want to give good to you. I want to start today. And I want to give you a new beginning. That new beginning begins that month. And in Israel's life, they're told to to gather a sheep or to gather a lamb and it's got to be one year old and it's got to be a male without blemish. And you've got to take that, ho- that sheep or that goat into your house and you've got to keep that from the 10th of the month until the 14th. And it says now in verse 6 of chapter 12 of Exodus, Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of that same month. This is the Passover. Passover. This is, the meal that, this is the meal that Jesus was celebrating with his disciples. This was the first time it was instructed how to do it. And Jesus said, or God said to Moses to tell the congregation this. You shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and they shall put it on the doorposts and on the lentils of the house where they eat it. They shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire, with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs. They shall eat it. We are to partake of what God has for us. And if we partake for what God has for us, God wants to put His mark on you. You see, what's going to happen here in the future? It's if we continue in that passage, verse 12, For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the house where you are, And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. God is going to strike the enemy of your soul, and He is going to preserve you when we partake of what God has for us, and He puts His mark on us. God wants to mark you for protection. Because the angel of death is going to come. But as believers, we do not need to fear death. Look, sin has separated man from God, but God came looking for man. God does not call you with accusation. God provides a covering to restore fellowship. God does not want you stuck in sin. God desires good for you. God sees you in your bondage and wants to set you free. The enemy does not want to let you go, but God wants to give you a new beginning. God wants to put his mark on you. God will strike the enemy of your soul and preserve you. God is for you. God has got you. If you you don't hear anything else, hear that right now. God has got you. He is for you. Because now when we jump into the New Testament, God takes this. He takes the characteristics that we see in the Old Testament of who God really is, and He takes it one step further. Because God gives Himself to us. In his son God gives himself to us in his son his own son he sends to earth to live and to die for us look at what it says here in Matthew 26 the the, the recording by Matthew, of Jesus instituting the Lord's Supper. And as they were sitting, Jesus took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to the disciples and he said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and he gave thanks <coughs> and he gave it to them saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of what? Now not of the, not of the covering of the new covenant which is shed for many for the remission of sins there is now a new covenant no longer do we need a covering to enter into the presence of God now we have more than a covering we have an eraser God has come to us personally in the form of his very own son and in the coming days, Jesus is going to be beaten and He's going to be hung on a cross and He's going to die. And then in three days, He's going to come out of the grave alive, resurrected. He's going to conquer sin and death for you and me as a remission for our sins. As a, as a complete forgiveness for it. As a free gift to you and to me. And all you've got to say is, God, I want it. I want your love. I want your forgiveness. I want to be in relationship with you. I no longer want to hide in the trees because I'm sinful. I want to walk in the cool of the night with you. I want to feel your love. I want to hear your voice speaking to me and tell me who I am in you. That's what the Lord's Supper's about. Too often we do things in, over and over in our church and, and, we, and we get used to, well, this is just something we do. This is not one of those. Please, don't let this become one of those things. When Luke records this time frame, It says that Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. When you do what I'm just doing now, I want you to remember me. I want you to remember what I've done for you. I want you to remember that God loves you. My Father loves you. And you can be in my Father because you're in me. God wants so much for us. (coughs) And He's made a new covenant. He ultimately shed the blood for the sacrifice. When we receive Jesus' blood on our account, God no longer sees sin, He sees the blood of His Son. And He says, your mark is on Me. God says, my mark is on you. Come to Me. I receive you. Amen. The Word tells us that the Holy Spirit will seal us. He'll put His mark right on you. When God looks at you as a believer in Christ, He no longer sees the sin. He sees his son's blood, and he says, you're part of the family, come on in. Share a meal with me. Join with me. If you don't know that freedom today that God is providing, we're going to pray here in a minute, and just take that time, ask God. Say, God, I want it. I don't know what it's going to look like, It's kind of scary. There's no magic words. Tell God you want it. You want his gift. You want to walk in his salvation. You want him to be able to look at you. And then we're going to partake of this communion together. And I want you to remember what God has done for you through his son. I want you to remember how Jesus took a beating for you. I want you to remember how that blood flowed down the cross for you. A blood that allows you to walk in perfect fellowship with God. Father God, thank you for who you are and for for your loving us so deeply. I thank you that, that the enemy cannot win. <clears throat> I thank you that you've already defeated him. And God, this day, if there's anyone that, that's hearing this this morning that does not know you as a personal Savior, I pray, God, that they would just call out to you at this time. Say, God, I want you. I want to walk in your love. I want to know your salvation. I don't know what this means, but I just know I would want it and I need it. So, God, call their name right now. Show your love to them, I pray. God, as we, as we partake of this, this time together, I pray that, that our hearts would just remember what you have done for us and of your deep love for us. God, you're so good. Thank you. Thank you.